Welcome to Red Ice Creations Radio. This is Henrik Palmgren, your host, and this is Internet Talk Radio, headquartered on the west coast of Sweden. And uh, we are available worldwide at redicecreations.com. And if you visited the site recently, you've seen that our new site is up and running, including our new subscriber section. And thanks to everyone who has signed up. If you haven't, do check it out. You uh, get access to an awesome archive of shows and you'll at the same time support uh, this program and help to keep us going. Thanks to Dr. Lorraine Day for being with us last week, uh, talking about food and uh, health and a lot of other issues. Uh, today we have Alan Watt back with us on the show, uh, and we're proud to have him on from now on as a regular guest. So um, stick around and you'll find out more about that. Today we have uh, Alan Watt with us uh, back on the program, and uh, we're very glad to uh, have him. Uh, we actually made a proposal last time we spoke to Alan, uh, and we're going to have him on now as a regular guest on an indefinite basis here. Uh, Alan will be on this show uh, the last Sunday of uh, every month, and uh, it's it's great to have him considering his vast knowledge and all the things that he's uh, been researching and talking about. So, And last time we spoke, we got very positive and good feedback on the show. So you guys want to hear more of Alan, and we certainly want to hear more here too. So uh, it's great to have him back. Uh, welcome to the show, Alan. How, how are you today? I'm fine. I'm keeping nice and warm. Ah, excellent. Are you cold up there yet in Canada? Yeah, it's it's been 10 below freezing yesterday, last night, so... Oh, there we go. I don't mind that, actually. It's not too bad. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, you know, kind of last last time we talked, we did uh, kind of a, a broad show, I guess. We did a, a lot of different things kind of meander around all, all your research and so forth. Uh, but I, I had in mind for this show today um, to ha- ask you a few questions, questions regarding uh, to kick things off here regarding the, the money system and uh, even the law system itself. But uh, a while back I saw a, a, a video regarding that the, uh, that the dollar and certainly the dollar bill kind of was considered to be this uh, occult talisman, I guess, a kind of a connection to, to the magician in the sense that money has the ability to create something out of nothing, so to speak. And um, I wonder if you have, have you come across this uh, at all in your in your research? Yeah. yeah, money has always had the same magical connotations, uh, even from the, the about 800 BC when they first introduced coin. Mm. Prior to that, they just weighed the gold or silver, but the minting coin uh, was actually they actually used uh, ceremonies uh, for minting the coin because they knew that everyone's life, even then, was controlled by those who control the money. Hmm. And true enough, everything in this system, which runs on maritime law, the yeah. world runs on commerce, yeah. which is based on maritime law, uh, still revolves around money. And growing into up in any country at all, it's so strange to see how everyone is born into a system that's pre-existing, hmm. And most of them live, they're trained at school to go out and earn money and pay taxes, which keeps the whole system going. And they never question what it is or, or who controls it <laughs> or, um, or, or why there are even about 13 banking families 
worldwide that, that make up the World Bank that hmm. controls the whole thing. Yeah. Who gave them the right to do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the whole thing is a, is a, um, a closely guarded secret. And when you go into the Federal Reserve System of the United States, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's not in any phone book. And the phone books over here, all government agencies are in blue pages mm. in Canada and the U.S. Well, the Bank of Canada and the Federal, Federal Reserve of the United States are not in there, so, so they're, they're private. <laughs> they're actually they're private, but they use a, just using the term like federal or, or the Bank of Canada, yeah. it cons you, it's an actual con, <laughs> uh, to make you th- or trick to make you think that it's actually a government-owned agency, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, um, and, w- and that's quite in- interesting that you mentioned that. I recently saw uh, uh, Aaron Russo's film from uh, Freedom to Fascism. Uh, it kind of attacks the uh, the Federal Reserve System, and I can't remember recall the the guy's name now. But there is one guy in there who has been fighting this system. Uh, he's an old uh, IRS agent, I think. Uh, who, who has been fighting this system for for you know quite some time now, and it feels like uh, the system itself is take, has taken some quite some heat in you know in the last few years here. I mean, do, yeah. do, do you think that it will? Uh, I mean, what will happen if 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 this you know collapse? I guess in in the film, uh, a lot of people, uh, or an interview rather, I saw after the film was um, a, lot, a lot of people had. Uh, was worried that you know if if this system collapsed, the the entire money system itself collapsed, and and do you think that this is so? No, no. Uh, the, I mean, the, the whole thing was a juggling act to begin with. It's just a con job with with mathematics. Yeah, that's all. Um, <laughs> the, the Federal Reserve just prints up money. Every central bank of every country does the same thing. They print it up. Yeah, and pass it out, but they get permission from the world bankers to do so. And they must pay the world bankers back, even though they're getting nothing from them except a check. <laughs> they must pay them back uh, in real goods, real yeah. wealth. That's <laughs> the trick of this. Now, they could keep this going forever if they wanted to. But uh, in reality, according to the agenda, eventually um, we'll be on a single world currency, eventually. Yeah. For instance, they've got Europe on the European currency. Uh, they've already come out and, and openly admitted now there'll be an American. Uh, the whole continent of the Americas will have a currency. Yeah, yeah. The Amerigo. Amero, oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe they'll call it the Amerigo Round. <laughs> but uh, the, the thing is, uh, that one too for the Far East, I'm sure. Yeah. That's your yeah. tribe, your, your, the, the three parts of the world that they're controlling. And then, of course, maybe around 2020 or even before, mm. they'll have a single currency. Currency, see, see, money is a con job to make you work in a system. Yeah. That's all the money is. It wouldn't matter if it was paper or porcupine quills or seashells, <laughs> as, as long as the, the same people are in charge of, of, of dispensing it. Yeah, yeah. It's just a con job. Money is the first con trick in the world. So, I mean, c- could this be, uh, uh, to, to get back to, to the occult uh, connection, I mean, because there is quite, you know, literally... Uh, this is the way, uh, as the world runs today, that people, you know, get things done. I mean, you can, for instance, build a bridge with with nothing if you got the money to to, uh, yeah. you know, pay for the the work and for the goods, basically. So I mean, it's it, it is a magical connotation to it, I guess. Oh, it has. It definitely is. Um, I mean, some of the best communists were trained by the capitalist bankers. Mm. <laughs> 
And we know that Karl Marx was not only trained by them, he, he, he was paid by them yeah. to write his manifesto in London, England. And the Rothschilds uh, funded him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and through Engels as well. And we know uh, that uh, a lot of what he said was true because he was getting it from the horse's mouth. Yeah. And he talked extensively on money and how all it did was represent labor because everything came into being in this world, in our, this system, which is not ours, yeah. through labor, you see. Hmm. And, it, and it's, it's like training a rat to, to pull a lever and, and get a seat or a reward. Yeah. Money is the reward for the expenditure of labor. Yeah. And then they can tax so much of that labor back from you and then pay other laborers to, to keep their system going or get a standing army or a police force to keep you all in check. <laughs> so this is the trick of money. It's to keep a system in place. But what's interesting, too, is even when the Rothschilds mm. uh, were trained to take over the five central banks of Europe, the five sons. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, these guys were not... Uh, I've read the authorized version by the, the grandmother, Rothschild, mm-hmm. which is nonsense. They always have a great myth of the foundation, um, how they were just rag collectors in a ghetto and they swapped rags and stuff hmm. and sold the occasional coin. That was so far from the truth. Old Anstel Rothschild was trained by the biggest banks in, in Frankfurt, Germany. Huh. And uh, he trained his sons in, in the, the mysteries of banking. Yeah. And those five guys, I don't think they simply went over to take over banks or countries. I think they were actually asked into those countries hmm. to manage the money for the elite. Ah, okay. That's what they were trained for. Yeah, I see. But so what is interesting is once Rothschild took over the Bank of England, which was started up, by the way, by a, by a Rosicrucian, a Mason, a Freemason. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came from Scotland, in fact, to start it up. Hmm. Um, but Rothschild took it over eventually. But he also set up a temple inside the bank uh, that very few people were allowed into because they had their own inner religion. Hmm. There's an occultic religion involved here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, uh, the, the question, uh, I guess, here is... Uh, could someone, you know, set up as just as you say, set up the the, the Rothschild dynasties to handle the money? And uh, I, I guess my question is moves, you know, into the area of uh, b- because th- this is a lot of controversy and, and so forth, you know, regarding that all the bankers are are Jewish. But I mean, if we go deep enough, uh, are you suggesting that you know the, behind the scenes, in that sense, there, there is. Uh, uh, no, no division between races in, in that sense. There's no division at all. In fact, for, for a long time, people thought that the Queen's personal banker uh, that was Bering, the Bering brothers, they thought that they were Jewish, but they were, they're not Jewish at all. Hmm. And the, some of the, the, the other families, like the, the, the Hammocks, uh, the Hamill family, yeah. they are also a banking family. Uh, they, they aren't either. So... So they use the race game for the little people to argue about and fight over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but at the top, when you're a member of the high elite, the, the, the true illumined ones, you might say, mm. um, there is no race or racial division at all. <laughs> Interesting, yeah, because that, you know, that, that solves, uh, I, I guess, a lot of the, 
the fighting that that has been going on within the you know the research community with people you know blaming this group or the other group or that but again i mean as as, as i interpret you as you're saying here this is about a group who is above all groups and and doesn't have this you know connection to any of them i guess you see that that's part of the see everything's done in symbology and very few people in the system that we are trained into uh, are able to interpret symbology because we're, we're taught to be uh, linear thinkers. Mm. Uh, we're taught at school that two and two is four and so on and so on, like a pattern and a ritual. Yeah. And, and we look for patterns and things, and when we don't get it according to our training, we miss the meanings of things. Well, if, if you look at the, the United States uh, the flag with the eagle, yeah. the one that's with the great seal, it's got the eagle on it. There's two sides to that seal. One is the pyramid, mm. and one is the, the eagle. Yeah. Now, the eagle um, has... You'll always see it with, with two claws. Uh, one claw holds uh, uh, arrows, and there's 13 arrows there. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, the other one has uh, the olive branch with 13 fruit. Hmm. And the 13, of course, is a Kabbalistic number, uh, all of this stuff broke out openly in Europe around the 1500s with the Renaissance, the, the renewal. Yeah. And uh, uh, Kabbalah came into everything. All, most of the founding fathers of the U.S. were Freemasons. Yeah. That's why they took 33 of them to sign um, their, their, their uh, the independence charter, basically. Yeah. <laughs> 33 degrees of masonry, uh, of the lower orders, that is. Yeah. And... Uh, there was a whole bunch of them submitted designs for the Great Seal, and eventually they picked uh, the the two, the eagle and the pyramid. Now, above the eagle, uh, you also find 32 feathers on one wing and 33 on the other. The the whole thing is full of symbology. (laughs) But um, above the eagle, there's what they call a nimbus. A nimbus is a cloud. And if you look at at it, there's actually stars there which make up um, the so-called Star of David. It's not David's star at all, yeah. <laughs> but that's above it all. And supposedly that was given in tribute to a, a banker, a Jewish banker, who helped fund them. That, that's the common story, <laughs> but that's nonsense. It's, not, it's, it's for the generative force, the upside-down uh, 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 triangle merging with the, the right-way-up triangle, the male and the female principles uniting. For, for the generative force. Mm, it, it, <clears throat> so these guys were Kabbalistic and occultic. Yeah. And the, the same symbol was taken from the Rothschild coat of arms. Hmm. The difference being they have five arrows and, and one uh, claw and five fruit, all of fruit and the other. Hmm. Uh, the Rothschild was, yeah. even, was even mixed up in that, <laughs> in the revolution and the funding of it. And yeah. we know that because the, the brother who ran the Bank of France, uh, was funding the, U- the U.S. side. Ah, okay, yeah. The, and these five uh, arrows represented the, the five suns going out in, in the world. Was that That's the, right. <laughs> That's very so, interesting. So everything is interrelated. Then on the other side of the Great Seal, it's interesting, you've got the pyramid there mm-hmm. with the capstone above the, the, the eye, the light. And what, it's, what it symbolizes... The rest of the pyramid, the, the, the largest part of the pyramid, the base of the pyramid, is society. 
Mm. That's what it means. It's all in confusion because only those above the light of the eye of Lucifer, the light bearer, Mm. uh, know what's really going on. (laughs) Everyone else below is in different orders or factions which make up the body whole, the body politics. And and the pyramid stands in the wasteland of the world, sparsely, uh, sparse grass and shrubbery. That means wasteland. So the only order there is in the world is theirs. That's what it means. And and the idea that, uh, you know, Anuit Quept is that it has been implemented, basically, if I if I interpret that correct. Yeah, and, uh, yeah as you can see, um, also announcing the birth of yeah, um, okay. Novus Ordo Seclorum, yeah. uh, a new worldly order, a new world order, basically, an earthly order. And, and this was in, I mean, the, the the thing wasn't put on the dollar, dollar bill until, what, what was it, 1933, I guess? <laughs> well, again, that's a bit of a, not quite true. Hmm. Uh, I'll tell you why. Yeah. And, and again, 1933 is interesting because they used 33 again. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, when you look into the, to the pre-revolutionary money that was circulating within the, 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 the Americas, mm you find most of it was given out by big companies like Hudson's Bay, big corporations that were charted from England. And they were tokens. They called them token money. And mm. you could take it back to, to the local trading place and, and exchange it or buy things with it. Yeah. And you'll find, if you look into the to the old coinage that was used, uh, and most of them had pyramids on them with all-seeing eyes. Hmm. In the early 1700s, late 1600s. Yeah, yeah. So this has always been with us, the same system, because money is money. It, it doesn't matter, as I say, what it, what type it is. It's run by the same people in all types and all forms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, could could one say because, I mean, the the image of of the eye there with a with the rays going out is is a very in one sense, a very religious theme. I mean, there are tons of imagery on, on, you know, the eye of God and all these things, who, which ties back to, you know, the Christian idea of, of the all-seeing God in that sense, I guess. I mean, could, could there be any suggestion that these guys, these guys were just portraying that image here? No. <laughs> no. Um, the, the, all Freemasons are taught so much, a little bit, mm-hmm. Of, of the hermetic sciences, and uh, they understood what the, the, the eye meant. You, you'll find the eye in all religions. Yeah, yeah. You, you'll even find references it in the Old Testament, and uh, you'll find references it in the, even the Nordic uh, stories um, of Wotan and so on. Yeah. Who lost, loses an eye, he's left with one eye. Yeah. You go further back to Egypt where Horus, in his battle with Seth, like who killed his father, it's all symbology but, mm. or allegory, but he's left with one eye, so that's the eye of Horus, <laughs> sometimes called the eye of Ra. You know? Yeah, yeah, sure. So yeah. this is an ancient system to do with the system. It, it, everything, in fact, in history that we're given is the same system yeah. in one form or another. And we're simply updating it and up, updating it like a computer every so often, <laughs> using the same symbols, sometimes changing the names. Do you think that there could be someone who has been, uh, you know, around for for all of this time to see all of these 
changes taking place, or is this just a a system of 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 men who who you know implement these ideas? It's it's a bit of both. It depends how you would, uh, and that can be confusing, you know. But <laughs> but uh, uh, it depends how you define intelligence. Yeah, and it, yeah. it depends also how you define life. Mm. Um, what is life? Uh, what, are there other kinds of life? Is intelligence itself a form of life? Yeah. Uh, even today, all of these things are still being debated because it's like asking where do thoughts come from? Yeah. Uh, there, there's no one in the world of medicine can actually come out and honestly tell you uh, that the brain creates thought. <laughs> they can't tell you that yeah. because they, they, they can't they can't find where thought originates from. And mm. underneath all the the, 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 the medical jargon, uh, it, it, they're still left with a big puzzle. Yeah. Do we produce thought or do we receive thought? Uh, so intelligence um, might be separate in a sense uh, from pure the purely physical in some way. I mean that that's very interesting because I mean uh, I, I read an article a while back uh, about you know the the idea of of ideas being like you know viruses and 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 in that sense i mean if this i mean is an ideology that operates through human beings i mean this could be uh, what we're dealing with here an an idea that has taken root in in us and now manifest manifesting itself through our uh, you know through our lives so to speak well i, I do know that the, the big boys believe in this themselves they know mm. this is taught to them it's a fact yeah and uh, that ideas can be transmuted or carried over vast distances uh, just by the force of the thought involved yeah. <laughs> and, and the force of the person using it. And it's interesting that, that Arnold Toynbee, who was a big player in the training of Rhodes Scholars yeah. for world governorship, uh, he stated at one of his meetings that a, a thought can be picked up by people across the whole planet, uh, at the same instant that the thinker is thinking it. <laughs> In other words, if it's a new thing, a new idea, yeah. they have a term for it. They'll say it's an idea whose time has come. <laughs> this is this is their format for their agenda. Hmm. And and when it's thought by the right mind yeah. at the right time, other people will pick up on it, and you have that eureka experience. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, that to an extent is true. Now, children display these qualities, yeah. um, especially the best friends, uh, or even members of the same family. Mm. You'll find they'll start to whistle the same song or sing the same song at the same line uh, spontaneously, and then turn and laugh at each other. <laughs> and then, as you grow up, you forget that because you're getting trained to live purely in the purely physical, yeah. and produce and consume. Yeah. I mean, uh, but, so there, there's definitely a natural telepathic ability that people are born with that yeah. most tend to lose. I mean, is this? I mean, are we tapping into the the cosmic mind here, so to speak? I think it's more than just that. See, there are certain truths. This is the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, all the books that are thrown out there on the shelves for the consumers to gobble up mm-hmm. to do with uh, sciences of the occult. Uh, the ancient sciences and so on, yeah. uh, are to mislead most of them. Hmm. They don't tell you the truth. Hence, 
That's why they have secret societies and all the degrees. Yeah. Uh, so anything that's put out there for the for the general public is written in a specific way because they are, the, the public are linear thinkers. They take things at face value. Yeah. So they'll take a story as a literal truth and never look behind it for the allegory. Hmm. And that's why you see such craziness in the whole New Age movement. They don't. They cannot think behind that which is written down. Hmm. Interesting. Um, this is intentional. Because yeah. They're creating a movement for a different purpose. Yeah. But but in reality, yeah, behind the sciences were natural truths, natural sciences. Mm-hmm. Um. You you don't simply pay money and learn them. To understand it all, even you have to go into the ancient uh, sciences. Mm. Um, and today, in this day and age, the modern day, we have thousands of guys claiming to be shamans. Yeah. And yet, uh, that's so untrue. Uh, it's, a, it's a show for the public and a money maker because they've trained the public to gobble up all the material that's out in the bookshelves mm. uh, and to run after these guys. Yeah. Shamans generally were born into families in hereditary fashion. So the father would be one, or the grandfather, and so on. Occasionally, they would pick somebody in a tribe. Mm. Now, all, all countries did this, including the Nordic peoples. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, in Scotland, too, we had our bards. Every, every clan had a bard. And the bard sure. knew, he memorized the history, the entire history of the clan, going back for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he could recite that for weeks on end, nonstop. <laughs> yeah. And he was also the local shaman. Mm. Because words, as they said, and it's the same in all peoples across the planet, words have a, a magical uh, quality to them. Yeah. <laughs> so you look at the Old Testament, and the first thing is they're giving you a clue of a story behind a story. The, the Adam and Eve story is nothing but allegory, but very important allegory. <laughs> uh, the linear thinkers take it at face value, and, and as always, they end up with this this silly religion that they have that yeah. ends up causing wars and they kill each other. There's allegory behind it. So Adam is given the right to name the animals. Yeah. And naming something is very, very important in all of the occult sciences. Do, uh, if you have the name of something, mm-hmm. you have power over the entity or the being or the person. Mm. It's the same in, in the Old Testament where, where you find... Um, uh, Abraham, you know, or, or Moses, uh, talking to, to the deity. He wants to know the name of the deity to get power over it. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> why the name is important. <laughs> Very so interesting. The invocation in the occult. This is what came out of this. Yeah. If you know the invocation or the real name of the deity or the entity, then you could use that. And this is the kind of stuff that came out around the 1500s in Europe under the guise of hermetic sciences hmm. and has led to the present day of the new age uh, which is a real chaotic mess yeah. of people trying to, to get power, personal power <laughs> when they don't realize that to be a, a proper uh, traditional shaman you have to be born into it you have to have special training in memory for instance Hmm. Uh, and you have to understand the sciences behind it. Yeah, it's not something you go out and buy. <laughs> of course not. No. Uh, I so, so yeah, this yeah. is a very important thing. Now hmm. the words too uh, of a shaman hmm. uh, or a tribal bard 
um, if they knew the name, when they pronounced the curses on a person, everyone believed in it <laughs> because uh, it was, uh, that was their religion, basically. They knew that this guy had a certain power. Yeah. And so when he cursed someone and he used their name and he used the names of the curse, um, that uh, evoked a form of magic, you might say. You, and you, the, the, the result was that the person would come to a sticky end. <laughs> I mean, do, do you... Uh, it's always interesting to kind of you know uh, talk about what 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 the, that what the reason could be for that. I mean, uh, I myself to some degree believe you know that uh, uh, in the I guess power of belief. If we have you know a large amount of people you know going around and believing that things are going to happen or whatever, the, the likelihood is that they are going to happen. Yes. Because we, you know, we bring the bring this on, so to speak. I mean, I guess this connects with the uh, the law of attraction. What we focus on become reality, basically. Do you agree on that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we we can certainly attract certain uh, things to us in a sense. Mm. Uh, there's no doubt about it that uh, um, in the ancient Greeks would call it creating a form. Uh, a form was was literally a way of, of trying to express a concretized idea, mm. a power, a force, which was thought up by someone. <laughs> and what they said, and, and, and many of the different Greek philosophers discussed this topic, uh, they said that, that if someone, for instance, thought up a particular um, idea, maybe they were experiencing a really beautiful day mm. um, next to the sea and... Uh, and a gentle wind and so on, then the mood that they were put into by that that day uh, wasn't uh, gone in, in the next day. It was actually transferred. It was a concretized emotion which <laughs> stayed around for maybe centuries. <laughs> and it could drift along and get attracted to someone else yeah. down the road who was in the same situation. It would, it would attract, get attracted to them. Now, the same thing came with bad luck. <laughs> or negative things happening to you. Yeah. Someone who, who had tremendous, uh, a tremendous death, for instance, yeah. um, could almost impregnate the area with the same sensations of gloom and despair in that immediate vicinity. Yeah. And sure enough, if you walk through old battlefields and things where people have been slaughtered, uh, you, you do sense something around there of, mm. of the, the sudden death Mm. of young people who think they're not going to die. That's why young people go to war, you know. <laughs> you, you don't get old guys to go to war, they're too, they're too clever. <laughs> um, but young people think they're immortal, and here they are suddenly dying, mm. and something stays in that general area of the graveyards, you know. Is this the, to create this desolation that you talked about earlier that is, that is symbolic in, uh, in the Great Seal there, in the background? Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, um, uh, as I say, the the, um, uh, the so-called I itself mm. is important. People again, they talk about it all the time, but they don't think about it. An I is something which sees. Um, they used to say the I is the window of the soul. Yeah. Uh, that which is within the person almost shines through the eye. You can tell a person who has something extra in them. You might see it as charismatic or whatever, mm. but the fact is something, a life shines from them. Mm. And that's what they mean by that. 
but it's also that that person has the ability to see. Yeah. There's an old Masonic saying, uh, going back all the way to Francis Bacon, probably much older, mm-hmm. but he said, in the land of the blind, the man with one eye is king. <laughs> you understand? Yeah, yeah. One eye is all you need to see. Yeah. People have two and, and don't use them. <laughs> you do not see. Yeah. And, and they don't mm. see what's in front, because seeing is more uh, than just using the eye itself. You have to use the mind that you're given to go with the eye to interpret what you see. Sure, sure. I mean, the... People do not see what's in front of them. They're concretized thinkers. They've been trained to be so. And, and they take things at their face value, and that's why they always end up with this mishmash of with nonsense. I mean, to, to me, this almost seems like, you know, someone is... Um, basically, if I can use that word, uh, training, I guess, the, the human race. I mean, through because through these kinds of, in some sense, through through these kinds of you know horrible events that are taking you know root uh, all around us. Basically, at, at some level, a lot more people are actually finding themselves you know more aware because of all of this. I, I mean. If if all the all these you know conspiracies and all this uh, misery basically were weren't happening, I mean, I'd, I I'm not so sure I wouldn't you know be in in that sense uh, so uh, in contact I guess as I am at this moment at least with my you know own awareness of these things. I mean, yeah. th- there is a dual uh, process here I guess. I mean, do, do you agree on that? Absolutely. See all of this. Even this very topic, the, the things we're talking about, these things should be natural within everyone. Mm-hmm. A, a wild animal has them. A, every wild animal has them. Wild animals know when a hunter is getting near. <laughs> In fact, they don't have to even see the hunter. They can sense the intent of the hunter. <laughs> It's a tangible thing to them. Yeah. Um, a domesticated animal, and this is the this is the key to it. We are domesticated. Yeah. We've been trained to blindly trust the Good Shepherd. And the Good Shepherd is the authority figure that's put over you. (laughs) That's why every ancient religion used the Good Shepherd as the symbol of the leader. That means that if he's the shepherd, then we're the sheep. Sheep are domesticated animals. They are there to feed the shepherd. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. What's happening today... It's, it's some people who still have uh, who retain some of the qualities mm. of of natural survival instinct. That's the key to it. That's all of these unseen little uh, abilities that you have. Uh, are, they're sensing uh, the big change going on all around them. Mm. They know the answers they're giving they're getting from government agencies are, just don't make sense to them. Do you, I mean, do you, all this totalitarian uh, goings on. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I'm, I mean, I'm, I know a lot of people who, uh, you know, when I talk, talk to them, I can sense that many people are, you know, kind of in need of this, uh, you know, strong leaders and, and stuff like this. And, and I guess as soon as you speak, you know, kind of uh, bad about them, I mean, they, they, they don't, you know, they, they, they go into instant, you know, uh, denial mode because the, I'm attacking, you know, their, their alpha male. Uh, archetype leader basically <laughs> you are yeah you're, you're attacking that which they've been trained to look for yeah domesticated animals trust the shepherd number one mm. uh, they, they, when he wants to cull one of the sheep and go off and eat it 
he doesn't do it uh, amongst the other sheep. He takes the sheep out of the pen, takes <laughs> it away out of sight, yeah. kills it. You see? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like society is exactly the same. Uh, traditionally, in the histories that were taught around the 1800s and the beginning of the 1900s, mm. it was common history to always be, be beware of governments because they're worse than any foreign army. They always use the army on you. Eventually, that was the routine all down through the centuries. Yeah, yeah, sure. And yet in one century, they've managed to train the people in the opposite direction, that the army is good, that the guy at the top, is the, is, is, he, he's come out of a separate birth canal from the rest of us. You know, he's holy almost. Yeah, it's a yeah. holy stature that's given to these people. <laughs> and that was the trick of expertise to conjure up through media propaganda mm. incessant over a hundred years an almost aura of a holy um, persona around the, the president or prime minister yeah. and those around them, as, as though they're special people, yeah. different from the rest of us, you see. I mean, I've seen these press release photos where they got the, you know, the... The, the, basically, the, the chandelier lights in the, in the background, like a halo around, you know, the 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 head of George Bush or Blair or whatever. That's right. Well, you should see some of the propaganda ones they have for Hillary Clinton. You should look hmm. at some of the websites; it'll, it'll blow your mind. <laughs> well, they have her dressed up as as God yeah. in, in the painting of Michelangelo in the Sistine Chapel, Sistine Chapel roof. Hmm. Got her in the place of God in one of the PR promos. Oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, by the way, do, do you think that she will be the next uh, president of the U.S.? She's been groomed probably from child. She was probably born for it, in fact. <laughs> But she's been groomed. All of these people are groomed for their positions. Yeah. Long before the public, years before the public even hear their names. <laughs> And her name is even occultic, so it's, it makes sense. Uh, do you want to enlighten us on that one? Yeah, some of them have very open occultic names. Other ones you have to work it out. Yeah. But you have you have in 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 the old occultic you always have a reference to Ra, mm -hmm. um, or Aten, you know. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Uh, Aten is is a, a, a later uh, uh, form of this similar thing, and Hillary has uh, a, a form in, in the. In the spoken word, which is the bottom level mm. uh, of the mystic uh, language, you might say, the spoken word is more important than the spelled word. The spelled word is to throw you off because a spell is to cast a spell. That's why yeah. it's called spelling. Yeah. <laughs> Very so you, you, have, you have the hill. There's always a mountain or a hill. Mm. A pyramid is a hill. Mm. The first artificial man-made perfect mountain, you see. Mm. Oh. And then you have... Uh, You have Hilari, Ari. pronounced it backwards. Doesn't matter if it's er or ar. The spoken word is ar, so you've got ra in there. Y uh. is extremely important because Y is the male uh, uh, chromosome. Oh. In. <laughs> uh. And they always use the Y in masonry. It's very, very common to use the Y. Very important uh, letter. <laughs> and then, and then you have Rodham. You see? Yeah. Yeah. Now, rod is, is the rod and staff of the Old Testament, <laughs> yeah. which was copied from the rod and staff of the Pharaoh, yeah. because the Pharaoh crosses his arms, and you see them on the uh, on their caskets. Yeah, that's and right. On the one hand, he's got the little the little walking stick. That's yeah. that's the crook, 
and the other one is the rod. So you use the crook as the shepherd to pull the sheep, and if they don't obey, you use the rod to beat them. <laughs> she is the rod. Her her function is to take an office yeah. at a time when you're going to into complete tyranny and open hostility hmm. of government towards the people. Interesting. So, uh, hmm, so, so I guess she could be uh, e- either for 2008 or I guess 2012. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the, also the, closer to the mystery religion because it's well known uh, that she prefers women to men. <laughs> In the old yeah. mystery religions, the high priests used to um, be castrated to be closer to the god. Hmm. Because God, their their deity is both male and female. Yeah, yeah. Therefore, it was better to be neither male or female in the physical, because that made you closer to the deity. Ah. Hmm. That's why this part of it is very important. That's why in the age of Aquarius, that this would all come to the surface, because Aquarius is the sim the symbol of someone who was raped by Zeus. <laughs> A man who was raped by Zeus, hmm. and and then deified as a god, a new man was put into the heavens, and put up there under the the symbol of uh, Aquarius. Hmm. Interesting. This, so. That's why only now, in the age of Aquarius, does that become prominent, and, and become a um, get more, actually get more civic power than any other people. Hmm. <laughs> that's very interesting. I mean, and uh, one thing I'm uh, wondering. To get your check on it, uh, uh, people, you know, like let's say Hillary or uh, uh, you know George Bush, even or, or people like this. I mean, you said that they were basically, you know, grown from from day one. Do you think that these guys are, you know, totally, you know, mind control wi- victims with the, you know, their own handlers who, you know, tell them what to do, program them, basically? Some are, but other ones are not. Uh, if they're brighter, they're selected to be brought into the secrets. Hmm. Uh, you can you can have four children uh, in, a, in a high family, but each one will be tested to see if, if, if according to their personality, if they're fit to be brought into the mysteries. Because they might be a blabbermouth, they might yap too much, or or yeah. drink too much, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so so it's only certain ones who are selected. The other part of Hillary's name is Ham, mm. and the ancient Egyptians were the Hamites. Hmm. Oh, interesting. <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, it just keeps coming. And, and you said, yeah, that that's all also very interesting, you said, regarding the chromosomes, the, the X and the, and the Y. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, there we have the the name. I mean, someone actually, you know, are, are naming these discoveries and, and are choosing these letters uh, mm-hmm. purposely. I mean... Uh, yes, as I say, Bacon uh, talked to he wrote about it. He said, we are creating the new language of the, the new international language of the future. Hmm. And the, now they, they meant the alphabet and everything, yeah. and, and the shape, the whole thing. <laughs> they borrowed heavily from the Greek initially, but they used other uh, parts as well. Each, each letter in the alphabet is, is Masonic. It's got an inner meaning. <laughs> uh-huh. Very interesting. Uh, um, and you said Bacon was behind this. I mean, do, do you consider him to be behind... Uh, works of uh, William Shakespeare? Because that's a thread that seems to be going around. Well, well, here's the thing. To introduce a whole new language into society, you, at that time, in the 1500s, you needed uh, priests of the churches, because they were the most educated people 
at the time. Mm. So priests were involved. Uh, Bacon did mention that there was a, a team of them working on the creation of the English language. Yeah, yeah. Before that, it was old Nordic German who spoke in England. Hmm. And, the, and suddenly you have... Um, a whole bunch of professors going to all the universities with this new language, and that's how they first started to get it in. Then this supposed Shakespeare came out, uh, and there's too little information on this man. Yeah. Uh, very little information uh, to do with what with writing. Mm. Um, and even the experts of today will agree. Uh, if you look at a film, a movie today, will take specialized producers for different parts of the movie, even special ones for a female psychology or, or a young man's psychology or an adolescent psychology. So you bring experts in to do it, and there's no way that Shakespeare, one man, could have understood all of these sciences yeah, yeah. and understood all of the ancient uh, Greek uh, mysteries that he, he, he put into all of his plays. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was too many heads involved there. So he was a composite, and it's very probable that Bacon and others were, were, were all part of the creation of Shakespeare. Shakespeare <laughs> is a coded word. Yeah. <laughs> You'll find it. Um, see, they also did the, the Bible at the same time, the King James Bible. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that, yeah. And that's, again, how they brought this new language in to the people. <laughs> and and uh, he's credited with giving about 180,000 words into the English language. In other words, he created the language, or whoever was behind it all. Amazing, yeah. And, and uh, in the King James Bible, in the old King James Bible, not, maybe not the modern translation, I don't know, yeah. but in the original one, in Psalm 46, and, and of course, um, this was in commemoration of Shakespeare's birthday, mm-hmm. you count down 46 words from the beginning of the Psalm, and you'll get shake. You <laughs> count backwards from the, from the last word, uh, 46, and you'll find spear. <laughs> so even the Bible, they put little jokes in. Oh my God, some little Easter eggs right there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now again, on another level, <laughs> Shakespeare is a form of Jacques-Pierre, French. Hmm, yeah. Now Jacques, Jacques is a, is a high name in Freemasonry. Mm-hmm. Jacques refers to the devil in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Even the flag of England is called the Union Jack. Union of the Jack, yeah, yeah. You see? And yeah. a Jack... Now think, this is what I mean about how you have to think what things mean. A jack is also something you use to lift a car up. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a lever. You, you, you lever it up. Yep. Lever comes from Levi, the priest. That's <laughs> what it means. So everything that you speak of yeah. has a hidden meaning in the, in the language. And every country's language is the same. Amazing, amazing. Uh, yeah. uh, so, so the, these are. Uh, could, could any of these things be, uh, I guess, ac- accidental in in the sense that, um, I, I mean, there is a philosophical concept, you know, about you know, as it is above, so will the you know representation be below. Uh, I, I guess what I'm referring to is that the idea of you know a more holographic concept that everything we touch and everything that we uh, create as as a human race uh, kinds of you know get these kinds of expressions in a, in the holographic mode you know to mirror back I, I, to I us I know what you mean but yeah. but, but uh, what you what you do find when you study language mm-hmm. and different languages 
and, and you see that every language was upgraded at the same time hmm. across the planet, really, except for maybe Africa and a few other places. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so that there... took an already uh, global system connected to do that of huh. people and experts and writers mm-hmm. and linguists, etc., <laughs> to put that into operation. So this was a man-made thing. Very bright people, but yeah, yeah. they understood how to create languages because it had been done before. Mm. But the languages they gave us, uh, it, we're speaking their world into existence, in a sense, because <laughs> we're using... Uh, see, words strung together. Remember, uh, getting back to the magic of words, the old yeah. term of magic of words. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and each word in itself is a symbol. Now you put different symbols together and you, you now have a, a sentence. Mm. Now a sentence is a judgment. That's the meaning of a sentence. <laughs> You're speaking someone else's judgment into existence. <laughs> We're living in the occult. Yeah. Well, everyone is. And when you understand it, um, it's way beyond the stuff you're going to buy on the bookshelves. <laughs> you, the, the fact they don't go anywhere near it. <laughs> this is it's a, way beyond that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is deeper. this is very exciting stuff, actually. I mean, the, this is fascinating. This kind of stuff. How, how about you know, uh, a language like uh, Latin? I mean, was this kind of a failed global language? Yeah, Latin too is, is full of codings. Mm-hmm full of codings, and so with Greek as well. And and you go back to, to the Egyptian as well, they were masters of it, and they they boasted about it. <laughs> uh, it was so perfected. Um, you, you see, sound, again, is part of, again, the old hermetic sciences. The hermetic sciences as such came out of Neoplatonism around the 2nd, 3rd century AD in Alexandria. Mm. But they used older sciences, um, going back for maybe thousands of years, maybe even millions of years, we don't know. Mm. Um, so they copied them into them. But but the sound itself, now we know it through music. Music was very important to mm. it because we're, now we're using a spoken word to sing and to create an aura around you of, of uh, the mood you want to create. And if you want to, to listen to, to something by Bach or Beethoven or whoever, mm. um, you can put yourself in a, in a mellow mood, yeah, a sure. natural meditation. Sure. If you want to get angry, you listen to rap. <laughs> uh, so, so, so sound and words, music and words, can conjure up literally um, uh, an atmosphere within and around you. <laughs> uh, if you've ever listened to something which is utterly beautiful in a choir, you, you you get the hair standing up in your head. It's the yeah. same thing as meeting a ghost on the stairwell. <laughs> sure. I mean, it's uh, something outside the norm, you see. Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. So music and words and symbols are all part of the languages that are used to cast spells over us <laughs> and to make us go in a certain direction. <laughs> it programs us in a sense. Very interesting, very interesting. Uh, I mean, could, could we have been, from, from the start, I mean, 
uh, I, I don't know if you got the, the concept of uh, you know man that we have been we have been going through evolution or if we come from somewhere else or whatever. But do you think that la- the first first languages could have been handed to us, or, or did do you think that we developed them ourselves with these phonetic sounds, basically? We know that some cultures probably did develop them themselves. Mm. Um, wherever you see language being totally altered or stamped out intentionally, uh, then there's a reason for that, uh, a very important reason for that. Uh, generally, they stamp out cultures and language because if you go into both of them deep enough, they'll have ancient histories and answers to, to the, the modern questions. <laughs> um, it, it was no, no coincidence that, that London and England tried to stamp out the Gaelic language. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I mean, certainly by law, they passed a law that hang anybody who spoke it. You know. Yeah, yeah, sure. And they did, and uh, and they tried to decimate the Highland peoples. They tried to kill them all. Yeah, it was uh, a genocide. It was very important to try and get rid of people who had bards' memory, yeah, histories, oral histories going back thousands of years, and a specific language. Uh, that was so communicative because it had so many words uh, more precise uh, than you have for English. English was created to give a working society a minimalistic ability uh, just to do the work, but yeah. not to think too far into the abstract. <laughs> and now we also have a scenario where we basically are, um, you know, children are learning, you know, less and Less words in that sense, we are being, um, you know, minimalized in our, in our, even our way to think about these things also. And this again uh, is not happenstance. There's no happenstance in this. Yeah. Because George Orwell, who was trained and picked out at university to work for the elite, Mm. and then turned against them, and he wrote 1984. And in 1984, he says that every year that the dictionary is to get thinner and thinner. And he called it linguistic minimalism. Yeah. And once you get to, to, to the utter minimalistic uh, uh, dictionary, mm. you would not have the vocabulary to even express discontent and cause a revolution. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to c- communicate the idea. Exactly, exactly. And, 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 and the thing is, we know where they're taking the public. They're taking the public at the moment, yeah. step by step, in t- towards a brain chip. There's no doubt about that. They've had world meetings of science yeah. about this. Subject. And, and Alan, we, we have to you know, c- uh, continue at, at that point uh, at our next interview because we're totally out of time here. Uh, th- th- this hour has gone by so fast. And I mean, this has been a very extremely fascinating show. And in the last minute or so, here, tell us, uh, all the people out there, our listeners, how... You know about your website and how they can support your work and about your DVD and so forth. Yes, they can look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and and, and I've got lots of free stuff there for them. Uh, I also have some books for sale, uh, DVDs and CDs. The CDs go into the ancient mystery religions. To an extent, I'll be putting up more this winter. Yeah. And uh, if I have time, I'll put some more books out as well. And I I, I teach very small selected people depends who they are <laughs> and if it's worth teaching them yeah yeah much deeper stuff excellent excellent so cutting through the matrix.com and, and Alan let's continue talk about the microchip uh, next time okay okay thank you it's a pleasure
Thank you for listening to Red Ice Creations Radio. Don't forget to check out our radio archives, either for our non-subscribers or just click on that sign-up button if you want to have access to all our subscriber interviews that we've done. And don't forget to check out our news and also, of course, our new forum. It's all right there on redicecreations.com, so do check it out. Thanks to everyone for listening to the program. Also, big thanks to my producer and technician, Fredrik Kangren. We will be back on Thursday with another program for you. So I hope you'll join us then. This is Henrik Kangren signing off. Take care and talk soon.